Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's good. Now, Grump, uh, you know, don't get on me too, too much today. Uh, I was running a little late. I had a little technical issue on my side. That's why we're not starting exactly at 4 o'clock, or I'm sorry, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're starting at 510 but I will, I will take blame for being late today, Grumpy. Uh, absolutely. You're the one who's late. I mean, who else are you going to blame it on? I mean, you couldn't blame <laughs> it on me. I'm ready to go. I mean, you know, go, you know, oh, all of a sudden, you're always late. I mean, let's be honest. You're always late. I mean, that's why I call you on it. And here it is. You're late again this week. Two out of three weeks, you're late. And you magnanimously took blame for it when you were the guy who was late. Okay. Yeah. All I'm going to say is this, Grumpfield, man. I was expecting maybe you would once take take a little cover for me, but uh, I was I was on schedule to be on time. But we have the future in laws in, and it's been a crazy, hectic day. Went out to brunch, you know, the crazy busyness that is. Uh, I guess you could say a Saturday uh, morning. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't going to say anything about it. You brought it up, and then you gave yourself some type of excuse. That's why I called you out on it. Stop making excuse for your tardiness. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then you did it again. And then you follow up the same thing. You know, oh, well, it's somebody else's fault. <laughs> oh, grumpy old Watch man. Watch, go blame your fiance now. That's a good move. Well, let's see how long. Let's see. Let's see how long you stay engaged with that type of with those type of antics. Well, the funny thing is, Grumpy, she can hear everything because the segment that we just launched last week called Stump the Grump. Uh, we're looking forward to it. It's where we go ahead and introduce the grumpy old man and myself most times to the new lingo that kids are using these days. Um, the new, uh, I'm not even sure how you would express it there, the, the way that words have deviated away from their original meaning. Okay, that's cool. You know, I'm always up for that. So, <laughs> I mean, I, when are we going to do that? Is that something we're going to do what? towards the end, towards the what? middle? We're, we're going to bring Paige in right now to, to, to stump the grump. So let's go ahead and bring her in first off. I know we talk Islanders, but it is, I think, exciting a little bit. It brings a little bit of pizzazz to our podcast over the offseason because there's only so much Islanders news you can talk about, especially during the offseason. There is Islanders news, definitely. But we're going to bring in Paige real quick to stump the grump. Hey there, guys. Oh, it's Paige. Do I get to talk to Paige for a minute? Yeah, you can. But I, I like the gourd you have there, you. dressed up nice. And that hat, did you get it from Cam Newton's closet? Where did you get that hat from? You know, I just inspired it off of him. I was like, how look more matronly than he does. And so I took that ideal and just turned it into my own. A little well, bit, of, you know, fall basic female. Is what well, it's a good look. It's a good look for you. Okay. Hmm. I just know. Okay. Are you ready for the word? I'm ready. Yes. Okay. The word of the week is hop off. Hop How do you spell that? Can I have can I have a definition? I mean, I'm sorry, can I get a spelling on that? H O P hop and then off. O F oh, hop off. That's like get off. Hop. Like, hey, if you're on something, hey, hop off. Like if you're on top of somebody, give them a beat and hey, hop off, you know? Something like that. Mm, not quite. Well, I was thinking something like that, grumpy old man. Like you're playing too many video games or something like that. Hop off or maybe get off of the system. I don't know, Paige. We're going to need that used in a sentence, to be honest. Okay. Now, now if you want to get somebody off a of video and see, so you just say, get the hell off of those games. Shut that crap off. That's how I say it. Or you just turn it off yourself. I mean, yeah. hop off, hop off. Okay. Maybe is it a beer term? Is it something like alcohol that, you know, uses hops, but we don't want to have that type of content in there. So it's like hop off. No. no, it's not about uh, hot alcohol. No, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I don't know how much a sentence will help, um, but you would say like hop off. Me and Kelsey are talking. Get out of here. Leave me alone. So it's like if three people are talking on the phone and you're talking with somebody. Someone comes into the room and well, starts like listening in and trying to join. Yeah, like, hey, take oh, it off. Don't eavesdrop. Like don't that? eavesdrop anymore. Something like that, correct? Mind your own business. Oh, hop off is mind your own business. What was wrong with mind your own business, Paige? I, you know, I, I think hop off is just a cooler way of saying it, personally. Stupid. 
<laughs> I'm not making up these words. I'm just informing you of how they work. Now, I'm seeing that you're drinking alcohol. Uh, is this maybe a word that you just made up because you're drunk? No, I just know I to get through the segment, I needed a drink beside me. Oh, damn. Ah, she like needed it. a drink to get the segment over with the grumpy old man. I, I like that. I like it. I like it. And TJ, what were you drinking out of? Did you just tip over like a uh, oh, like a water tower to drink? I mean, what the heck's going on there? How big is that? I mean, what is that? Two hundred and eighty ounces? What is that? So the funny thing, grumpy old man, this was actually I wouldn't say used as a gag gift, but it was meant originally, intents and purposes, I could fit a family sized bottle of wine in this entire container. So when I go out on the beach, on you know where you can't go ahead and bring um, glass bottles out on the beach, I could just put family-sized bottle of wine in this canteen. And you know one thing, grumpy old man, this also does help when I'm at work because I don't have to worry about running back and forth filling my bottle of water there throughout work days. What is a family-sized bottle of wine? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> what is a family-sized bottle of wine? That's, that's a family-sized that's, that's family bottle of wine, grumpy old man. Family-sized bottle of wine. Oh. It's just, it's just like two bottles of wine. Two bottles of wine. It's like one and a half, I think. So – how many people does it take to drink a family-sized bottle of wine? One TJ's. One TJ to drink a family-sized bottle of wine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no comment. Grump, grump, you're getting too much into my personal life now, grumpy I'm old man. Sorry, I just you're the one who brought us some some Mongo jug from Fred from the Flintstones, uh, <laughs> you know, to drink on the podcast. I mean, you know, and then Paige is over there getting liquored up. I don't know what the heck's going on over that area. Well, I do want to thank Paige. I don't want to keep her captive too long. I want to thank her for stumping the grump. She definitely stumped me as well. <laughs> That's hop not off. The is it? I just want to make sure. Is it hop off or pop off? Pop. 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 Okay, gotcha. Hop like, off. Like take it on the hop, Chief. Beat it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Paige. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and talk some Islanders, but I do appreciate you jumping in and, and stumping the grump. Yeah, you all have fun. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, grumpy old man, there was some Islanders news and some news around the NHL here just recently, uh, kind of to shift gears a little bit. Um, I think most importantly, it's kind of worth addressing. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom kind of took a nasty spill into the boards. Um, and they, you know, it looked like it could have been potentially pretty bad just the way he fell. He kind of got like twisted up and his arm was extended. They say he's only going to be out for about a week or two. So it doesn't seem to be too serious. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. Um, but that would have been the epitome of an unfortunate event for the Islanders if if Wallstrom were to have missed extended time because he was out there on loan trying to improve his skills overseas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what he's, I mean, when he kind of went in, he went in full bore to the net, and the guy kind of hooked him a little bit as he was, I mean, as he was coming in. It was, it definitely should have been. He, he definitely got hooked, which caused him to tumble, and it's not like he just lost his balance. And he went in hard to those boards. He was down for quite a while. Uh, it's nice to know. He did get up under his own power, though. And it is good to see that, you know, he should be back in just a week or two. And in the bigger aspect, uh, it's nice to see that he is working on the defensive or trying to work on the defensive aspect of his game. I know that uh, there was an interview done recently where they talked with the coach for the team that he's playing with in Sweden. And it says that is, that is his biggest thing that he needs to continue working on is uh, play on his own end. Oh, a play away from the puck, certainly. And, and yeah. again, that's that's what the coaching staff and that's what Barry Trotz told him even last last season after that like uh, little cup of coffee up there in the NHL. Have to work on your play away from the puck. We actually do have a comment here from the Islanders meetup group in Charlotte, North Carolina there uh, from, from our old friend. Mikey Ryan says, I came here uh, – <laughs> Came here to hear grumpy old man say essentially pop off. Top off. <laughs> pop off, not pop off. Hop, 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 hop off. You know, like hip hop, I guess. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, grumpy old man. And um, TJ, TJ, first of all, you did not mention anything about my shirt today. It's it's a retro shirt, that's for certain. It's Absolutely. it looks like an old athletic it looks like an old Oakland athletics shirt. That is exactly it's the Oakland A's, the swinging A's from the uh, 1970s, when they were by far the best team in baseball. They won the World Series three years in a row from 72 to 74. Uh, they got to the uh, 
American League Championship round in 71 and 75. Uh, they were owned by Charlie Finley. And if anyone has the MLB network, uh, I recommend they have on tonight at 8 o'clock a little special on the uh, swinging A's, the battling A's, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I, it's a great watch. If you get a chance to watch it, it's fantastic. And the players, they were my first favorite team, the baseball team when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I like the Mets and the Yankees, but the A's, I love them. And because they wore the white shoes and they had those flashy uniforms, I loved them. And that's where the greatest number 44 in New York sports history started his career, Reggie Jackson. And he was by far my favorite player when I was a kid growing up. Absolutely, Reggie Jackson. Grumpy, I've got to ask you. Who is the greatest 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson? Oh, Reggie that's Jackson. Pajot, you know that. That's our boy, J.G. Pajot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could tell you every single player on those swinging A's teams for all those years. I mean, you know, think about it, how, you know, you can kind of get into sports when you're like 10, 11, 12. That's when you really start getting into it. And I remember every single one of those players. I can tell you who played where, who did what, what game. That was a team that could beat you anyway. They had a fantastic pitching staff, and they were just fun, fun, fun to watch. I just loved them. Uh, and they all grew mustaches. They were known as the Mustache Gang because uh, – Raleigh Fingers. Well, Raleigh Fingers, that's, that's where he started. His handlebar was during that because – uh, Charlie Finley said that he would pay the guys um, like a hundred bucks or three hundred bucks to grow a mustache, and like that he was cheap as hell. So that's when they all started growing mustaches. Uh, well, you think you think about it, what a great promotional <laughs> promotional gig, right? You get everybody to join in on some odd uniformity uh, exercise, just like growing mustaches, or even if you wanted to be the bearded group, or you know, mustaches in this scenario, it stuck out. It was different from what the rest of the league was doing. It was a free a free little marketing ploy. So, hey, three hundred dollars a player. It's pretty cheap. One and, time a pop. And their first World Series, they beat the Cincinnati Reds in seven games, and. Uh, I, rem I remember that series vividly. I remember Charlie Finley and the manager, Dick Williams, had their wives after the last game in Cincinnati kissing their wives on top of the dugout. It was fantastic. Uh, Joe Rudy made the last catch of the year to win uh, that, that World Series. And it was billed as the Hares versus the Squares. And the Cincinnati Reds were prohibitive favorites going in. Of course, me, as an 11-year-old boy, thought there was absolutely no way that the A's were going to lose to the Reds, but they, they were the big red machine back then. And uh, it was just wonderful to watch. I remember in game six, they got stomped eight to nothing. And uh, no one thought they, that the A's were going to win in uh, game seven. It was just, it was, it was just fantastic. It was, it was marvelous. And for a young boy, myself at the time, uh, you know, seeing a team that you just love for years just because of the uniforms. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, that's what draws you in is the uniforms. It's like, Oh man, they look great. And, you know, just to see a team like that, it was great. Like I said, and if anyone gets a chance to watch that special, I've watched it before, and it uh, brought back so many memories of my childhood. It was fantastic. And just a little aside. Uh, a little was, aside, Grom. Yeah, a little aside. It's been a big aside, but continue nonetheless. <laughs> there, was, there was a young rapper uh, named MC Hammer, uh, and he actually worked for Charlie Finley, and his nickname at the time was Pipeline because he would go into the locker room and, uh, you know, he would listen to what the guys were saying and he'd report back to Charlie Finley. So they gave him the name Pipeline because it was like a pipeline back to the owner. Just a little aside. Just just a little aside. Just a little aside. You didn't mention anything about the shirt, so I had to bring it up and I had to run with it. Sorry. Grump, it has been 14 minutes already into the live stream slash podcast, and we have managed to talk very little about the Islanders. Um, I do want to kind of move a little bit back to hockey, though, grumpy old man. Uh, recently, I guess you could say this last week, they came out with a little news. Uh, they intend on hopefully trying to start the NHL season there in early January. Um, the plan is January, around January 1st, thereabout. Um, they're saying, though, it's going to be pretty tough. It's going to be pretty tough to get everybody in line and, and to figure out exactly the minutia behind it and the nuances behind it, Grumpy, because they don't even know where exactly the game's going to be played. It's The NHL is a travel-intensive sport, and you're bouncing around from place to place. They're throwing out the idea of maybe still having hubs in some capacity, maybe realigning divisions, conferences. So it is going to be definitely an interesting time period here in the next upcoming months. 
or yeah. even the next upcoming weeks. Yeah, I think if they did that, I'd have no problem with it. I think you're going to have trouble with the buy-in from the players. Um, you know, do they want to live away from their families? I, I have to assume that they would uh, make it a little bit more lenient than they did uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but I think, it, honestly, I think it would be fantastic for the actual game of hockey if they had, you know, the Canadian teams in one conference. Uh, and then, you know, because that, there are seven Canadian teams, which makes it great with 31 teams. You mean the, the Canadian teams in one specific division? Right, right. In one division, you mentioned about the realignment. I think it would be fantastic for rivalries. And you wouldn't play – all right, so you don't get to play – if you're an Islander fan, you don't get to play, uh, you know, Tampa Bay or, you know, Anaheim or any teams like that or any of the Canadian teams. But think about the rivalries. You want to see – I'm not going to say blood sport, but, I mean, you want to see some chippy play? Play the same guys – uh, I mean, and I'm also sure they they would shorten the season as well. But let's say that you're playing what seven teams, and you play let's say 49 games. You're going to play a team seven times. I mean, just think about that. Think about the type of animosity you'd build up with teams like that. That that's what I was about to say, grumpy old man. This could be a real chance for the NHL to capitalize and to get some real. I wouldn't say to really uh, toke the fires, but in the same token, it would do that. Um, this would really go ahead and re-energize some of those some of those rivalries, I do agree. And and that could really get some enthusiasm behind the sport again, because as sports continue, and this is not just across the NHL, this is across multiple different sports. They're kind of vanilla, right? They're not as violent as sports used to be. They're not, there's not the amount of animosity, as you mentioned earlier, because it's just, you know, we're just professionals. I only see, let's say, for example, a certain team four times a year on maximum, sometimes six. So it's not like you see them all that often, but if you were to condense the schedule down and you were to play them at a more or a higher pace, you're obviously going to go ahead and every game's going to mean a little more and it's going to be very physical. And I think it's good for the sport and it's good for the viewer. Yeah. Every game's going to be a division game. I mean, you know, that's, that's the way you look at it. Every game is more important because they're all division games. And I, I think it would be great. Uh, especially, you know, with the pandemic, I, I think it would be, it's, you know what, and I'm going to tell you what, I trust the NHL to do the right thing. I know there's a whole lot of scenarios out there that they're looking at, but I, they did an absolutely spectacular job with the NHL playoffs last year. I mean, hats, hats off to them. I mean, it was, it was brilliant, and I think they're going to come up with something just as good. And if it means, uh, you know, just having a Canadian division, because you got to remember, Canada is not letting uh, – People come in from the United States right now unless, you know, they want to stay. I think they have to stay a long time or something like that, two weeks or whatever, whatever they have to do. But I, I don't think that they're going to waive that right now for, for sports teams. And and, I, and and to be honest, Grump, I'm going to interrupt you here. I don't foresee that changing in the near future, right? As the coronavirus cases increase and as the deaths increase, I think it's still going to be a time period even during the colder months. We're going to see that increase a little bit more during the time period. So I don't think we're going to see that. I wouldn't call it a sanction, but that lifted anytime soon. If that's the case, right, you're going to have to, you're obviously going to have a tough time trying to play any Canadian teams or an American team to play any type of Canadian team. You would have to have very, very long extended time periods in playing those seven Canadian teams. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they, what they're going to do. They, you know, people are reporting that this is much tougher than the original inception, the idea of the playoffs this last year with the bubble formats. This is a little bit more difficult for them to determine. Yeah. I, I like I said, I love if they, if they actually do go through with that idea, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I don't know what the finances are going to be. I mean, I think that's going to be a big problem for the teams because the NHL out of the four major sports, the NHL relies on ticket sales more than any other league. And I think that's going to have an effect, you know, can they get fans in? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't well, know. And, and, and that's what I was about to say, grumpy old man. It, it's going to be very tough, right? Some, some places are a little bit less regulated than others where they are allowing fans to enter back in arenas, whether it be even uh, football stadiums, things of that nature. So they are allowing fans to enter back in. Um, in the same token, you're right, though. This is, this is a sport that predominantly makes a lot of its profits off of ticket sales. And even if you're not allowed to have anybody in the stands or even limited capacity, that is seriously going to hinder their profits. 
and the profit margin. So they said that essentially the way the new CBA was lined out, players are going to earn 72% of what their actual salaries are for this next year or for this next season. Um, does it come as a huge shock? And they, I think, you know, compromise there is important. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get that money back um, over time, but yes, right now they'd be playing for an essence, 72% of their salaries for the upcoming season. Um, and you know what, but who do you think about the owners? How much money are they making? I mean, I don't think you can go back to the table now and ask the players to take a bigger hit. I, no, I most, most certainly you can't. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be an option. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how it plays out. Uh, but I have faith in the uh, the leaders of the NHL to uh, set this up and do the right thing. I, like I said, they were so fantastic with the playoffs. I think that it's going to be the same thing. And, you know, okay, they don't – I know that they did just cancel – the uh, Winter Classic. They canceled the Winter Classic and, and the All -Star NHL All-Star Game. Right. Uh, I mean, no big deal there. I know the Winter Classic is a big deal because all the eyes are on the NHL uh, that New Year's uh, afternoon. But Well, not, not even the fact that all the eyes are on the NHL. It's a special event. It's what separates us from other sports, right? I mean, it's something we usually don't do. And it's almost like you're taking the sport and the great sport of hockey. You're honoring it. You're putting it back outside. You're putting it back out there on that ice surface. And for the players, I have to feel like that's something extremely special that they get to partake in. Obviously, I'm sure they're not thrilled that that's been canceled for next season or the All-Star game. But in the same token, you're going to be having to try to fit everything in a condensed schedule. And you're going to be playing games, I'm sure. And you're going to be playing more games on average a week than you were in prior years. So they're probably actually going to <laughs> be a little thankful that they don't really have to worry about, you know, Winter Classic and the All-Star break and everything like that. I mean, I'm sure they're going to want breaks. But it'll be interesting to see also what they do regarding the NHL roster size. Yeah, I would think they'd have to expand it. Um, I would hope that they would expand it. Let me just put it to you that way, because if you're playing more games in a short amount of time, what's going to happen, right? You're going to have more injuries. So hopefully, especially, you know, with COVID, uh, you kind of want to keep all the guys together if you can. Uh, and, you know, when injuries pop up, you want to have an extra like three or four guys to pick from on the bench. Well, and, well, not even not even just the injuries too, grumpy old man. You, I think you're going to see a lot more of a rotational-based um, lineup for most teams in the NHL. If they can and they have the depth to do so, I think if they were to expand the rosters, they would do something like that just because as nagging injuries continue to pop up, as they always do year over year, you're going to see that you can't continue to play more games in a tighter time period when you have a nagging injury. They're going to need occasionally a day off. Um, so it will definitely be interesting to see if possibly they might expand the roster size, how many spots they expand by. I'm not sure. This is all speculation, of course. I think it would be beneficial, though, for teams if they were to expand the roster size. Yeah, maybe to like a 30 or 31-man travel. Uh, you, th you think that many, Grump? I think that's a little much. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you'll, how many healthy scratches do you have every night anyway, right? I mean, you get 20. Two or three. Two or three, okay, but you know you have twenty-one guys who play. You had two or three for the healthy scratch. What's another five players? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I think you're going to see a lot of three goalies too. I don't. Again, like that's that's a little much in my opinion. If you wanted to have seven healthy scratches, grumpy old man, uh, that's a little much. You want your players still to develop. You want them to still be getting regular ice time if at all possible. I would when I'm talking about expanding what I've heard, I'm talking about maybe an extra player on the roster, not an extra four, five, or six. Okay. Well, I I I'd probably err on the side of course caution only because of the COVID, honestly. Because if you have a couple of guys who get it, um, you know, they're gonna have to be quarantined and then, you know, but you're still gonna have to play games, especially in a condensed format, I guess, I guess is my point. And I do understand we're gonna see more positive COVID cases this next season than we did last last playoffs because they're not going to be in a bubble. They're not going to be completely isolated away from everybody else. It's just not realistic to expect over an entire NHL season. They're going to have more interactions with people outside of the bubble, and you're going to have a higher chance of one player catching COVID, and then when that happens, it's easier for multiple. I mean, just look at the NFL, right? There have been multiple different teams where they've had players 
one, two, three, four, five players sometimes in a week test positive for COVID. And if that's the case, right, I can understand maybe the need for that grumpy. I just, I, I will be interested to see going forward what the actual roster size looks like because they're not going to move somebody right up without going through the COVID testing and the protocol and then saying, okay, you have to isolate and then you could be good to play for the team. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know they're putting together a group, I think, of 10 players as well as general managers, head coaches, things of that nature to figure out the best course of action going forward. Yeah, I just like the fact that they're being proactive and looking at all these scenarios. And if they have one positive test, that's more than they had the whole playoffs. They had not one positive test. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that with what they went through in the, in the playoffs. Well, the reason for that being is because of the way they had it set up. Exactly. And they're going to have to be more lenient this time. I don't think you can ask the players to leave their families for, you know, whatever, six, six months or something like that. I don't think that's feasible. No, I mean, like they have to have a work-life balance, just like every other type of job. Um, and Grump, I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit. I made a mistake last podcast. Did you know that Grumpy old man? Yes, I when did. I, when I was when I was talking about long-term injury, I completely made a mistake. And afterwards, I had one of our listeners pointed out. I was like, "Ooh, it was a facepalm moment." I was like, "Oh yeah, I did totally mess that up." <laughs> yeah, I tried to point it out to you. You bit my head off. Told me I was wrong. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, here's the thing. Life is too short. And as the grumpy old man, my life is shorter than a lot of others. So, you know, I just, you know what? I let it go. We've already had that discussion. It, I just thought you just didn't understand the rule again. So I just let it go. Grumpy. I, this is an odd statement to hear from you that life is too short. No reason to get fired up or angry. You are the king of getting fired up and angry over minute things, grumpy. That's true. And you know, but have you noticed how calm I am this week? I don't like it, Grumpy. It's odd. It's uh, odd. You are very calm. You're very, awesome. very calm this week because the Islanders haven't done anything stupid. They haven't done anything, so therefore they haven't done anything stupid. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, they didn't sign any, you know, 40-year-old to a seven-year contract or anything like that. You know, why? what do I have to be upset about? They haven't done anything. So, you know, I guess nothing is better than doing something because every time the old, the old man does something uh, – he messes up. So oh, I wouldn't say that. There's definitely been positives that, that Lou Limerell has done. Um, I think it's true. Obviously, as the weeks continue to elapse, we need to sign back Matt Barzal and Ryan Pulak even more. And you know, you hear about the guys that are looking to go ahead and sign back. They're looking to bring bring back Andy Green as well as Matt Martin. I'll tell you this much. If I'm ordering the pecking order of who are our priorities to sign back and in what order it is, number one is Matt Barzal. Number two, Ryan Pulak. Number three is Andy Green. And I'm talking a number four, and this is by a, a large margin, is Matt, Matt Martin. I love Matt Martin. Fan favorite. Performed extremely well in the playoffs. He has to take a league vet minimum deal, in my opinion. He just does. I we don't we don't have the cap space in the room to bring in a fourth line winger who is towards the tail end of his career and pay him more than you know the league minimum, especially when the cap is staying flat and we are already up against the cap. We don't have the space to do that. Yeah, well, see, that's the biggest thing. I mean, if we had unlimited cap space, I'd have no problem bringing Matt Martin back. The fact that we didn't and we had to trade Devon Taves because we couldn't get under the cap or Lamarillo wasn't inventive enough to how to figure out how to get underneath the cap. So he just trades one of the restricted free agents. So uh, to me, signing Matt Martin is he's not even number four. He's like number eight. He's that far down. You're right. The top three are definitely going to be uh, Barzal, Pulak and Andy Green, who's going to be teams with Noah Dobson, which I think is fantastic. Honestly. Well, he made a statement, grumpy old man, that Lou Limerill was not inventive enough to get rid of that, to get rid of dead, you know, dead cap space, essentially, or that cap space that was absorbed by toxic acids. I disagree, right? He was in the situation he was in. The only way for him to get rid of that cap space is, let's think about it, the only way to trade a guy like Johnny Boychuk, who has a modified no trade clause, the only way to trade a guy like Leo Komarov, I think he also has a modified no trade clause, the only way to trade those guys are by packaging them up with draft capital or young prospects. So how do you acquire that? Unfortunately, one of the few ways to acquire draft capital is by giving up a player who's contributing now or giving up a young player who can contribute in the future. And in the same token, we weren't giving up any of our prospects for draft capital. So the only way to do so was by trading from a position of strength. 
and our position of strength is defenseman. I did not dislike the trade as we talked about last week. I don't. I, I think we got a pretty nice return for Devontae's two second round picks. In the same token, though, grumpy old man, we're still going to have to make some real moves. We're going to have to be able to clear up some cap space. I am going to be interested to see as to exactly what we have to give up and forfeit as well as this draft capital to get rid of that dead cap space and guys like Boychuk, Komarov, Andrew Ladd, things of that nature. I'm going to be interested to see what we're going to have to do. It might cost more than just draft capital is what I'm getting at. Well, like I said, his short-sightedness is what caused all these problems. I mean, let's be honest, right? Why would you give Leo Komarov a modified no-trade clause? Why would you do something like that? I don't know. Johnny Boychuk is hit that contract is not his doing, um, you know. But you look at the other guys he signed. We are in the salary cap crunch because of Lou Lamarillo. I mean, those are just facts. I don't. I don't put everything on Lou, right? It's not all Lou's fault. We definitely have some bad contracts that were given by Garth beforehand. That being said, grumpy old man. It didn't help. We've talked about it before. I don't want to hash it up too much because we always get thrown off the rails when we talk too much about it, Grumpy. So I'm going to try to steer clear of that. I wanted to ask you specifically, I'm going to get, kind of circle back to the question again. What other assets do you think we're going to have to give up besides draft capital in order to move a guy? That you know is a toxic asset to move a guy like Johnny Boychuk, who has that modified no trade clause. To move a guy like Leo Komarov or even a guy like Andrew Ladd. You know, what type of assets do you think we're going to have to give up besides draft capital? I don't think we're getting rid of anyone. I don't think I don't think he I don't think he plans on getting rid of anyone. If he did, he would have already done it. Like all the other teams who offload these players. I don't think we're going to do anything. I I really don't. I don't I'm certainly doesn't want to trade anybody off the roster off the veteran laden roster. I'm sure he doesn't want to get rid of anybody off of the roster. So what are you talking about? Guys in the minors? So now we're going to trade whatever limited young players we have to make this happen. Dump them on long-term injury. I don't care if you got to hack their legs off in the park a lot. Throw them on long-term injury. This way you don't have to pay their salaries. And that's that. I mean, you know what? Play hardball. That's what I would do. He's we've, good talked, at it. we've talked about long-term injury. It's going to be tough to prove that players would miss, I believe it's either 10 NHL games or 24 days of action. So most certainly what could happen if a player does get hurt, then we can definitely move them to long-term injury and get rid of that contract. We most certainly could. It's going to be tough to do that, though, with a guy like Andrew Ladd because he did come back in the NHL playoffs in that bubble format. So it would be tough to move a guy like that. It would be really tough to move a guy like Boyce. It, it's going to be interesting to see how we do it. I, I wanted specifically to ask you about that. I, I don't think we're going to stand here and do nothing. I don't think the trade for Devontae's to acquire two second-round picks was in vain. I think there's an overarching scheme or a plan that that entails acquiring that draft capital to move other players. Maybe when they assume, um, you know, whenever they resume practice, they can do a kill the guy with the puck and just put Johnny, Lad, Kami, throw them all up against the boards and have them um, until they're injured, and then they can say, "Okay, long-term injury, you're out." <laughs> I mean, there's just not there's just not a whole lot of teams left that can take on the salary those salary requirements because they've already done it with other teams. I mean, that's why I'm that's why I felt he really need to be proactive with this this year. I know his motto is you know you have time, be patient, blah 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 blah. Wait, wait, wait. But for something like this, you needed to get these guys off your roster. Period. And he didn't do it. I mean, he could have traded Devon Taves immediately for two second-round draft picks to make that happen if you really wanted to get rid of Johnny Boychuk or Leo Komarov. But he didn't. He was late and reactionary, and that's why he had to make the move because he couldn't move anybody off his roster. So that's why he had to dump Devon Taves. And here's the thing. I had no problem getting rid of Devon Taves, but he fits perfectly in what Colorado does. Uh, but I would have liked to see him bring back some offense if you're going to move somebody like that. Dump those guys. Bring in some ops, uh, some offense. That's what I would have done. Well, Grumpy, I don't think we're going to really address any needs this offseason. And I've talked about this. People have talked about how we're going to go ahead and bring in some offensive talent. I said there have to be the, – the stars have to align for us to really bring in any type of offense, offense this offseason. Um, I told you, the biggest thing for us would be to sign back these, <laughs> these restricted free agents – we moved one of them, and now we've got two more left. 
to sign back as well as we need to sign back Andy Green. That is a need now after trading away Devon Taves. Um, as well as, you know, they're saying they want to sign back Matt Martin. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. it. I'll be interested to see exactly what happens regarding that particular situation. Uh, but grumpy old man, it's it's it looks like we're going to go in f- f- essentially with the same exact team in the roster that we had last year. Uh, except, I- except, you know, last year we didn't have Andy Green to start the season and Jean-Gabriel Pajot or Noah Dobson really playing regular minutes. So those really look to be the only key additions. And then E.S. Sorokin. So we have made some additions, but nothing flashy, nothing I feel like that really tips the needle on the offensive side of the puck. They added no one from outside of the organization. I mean, I, I don't count Andy Green and J.G. Pajot because they're already with the team. Uh, Noah Dobson was already – all you did was lose a top four defenseman and elevate – a guy who is a bottom six, who is a bottom pairing defenseman, and move him up to the second pair. That's all you've done. You've gone backwards. Well, you, just I, you talked about not bringing anybody in through free agency, Grumpy. I feel like this is an interesting topic. How often do teams really improve through bringing in massive amounts of players through free agency? Not very often, in my opinion. If you look at some of the best teams that are around in the NHL, they improve the team through the NHL draft. That's how they improve their team. They find steals later on in the draft or steals in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, and that's how they improve their teams. They don't improve it really through free agency. Sure, they can pick up a key guy here or there, but it's not like the majority of their team composes of guys in acquisitions made in free agency. Well, and it, but it hurts when you trade all your draft picks away, right? So you're not going to improve via, <laughs> via the draft, and then when you do finally draft guys, you just pick ham and eggers. Guys who, you know, up and down the wing, you know, we work hard, but nobody with real talent. And that's 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 what that's what this uh current regime has done. We haven't hired, we haven't picked up any offensive talent through the draft at all since Lou Lamarillo's been there. Not at all. That's not true. It is true. It okay. So when true. they hold on, stop. When they drafted Oliver Wallstrom. That's an improvement on the offensive side of the puck. Let's be honest. Come on, let's be candid, grumpy old man. That was an improvement. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't count that for him. I don't count that for him. What was he there? Two weeks. He was there two weeks before that draft. That was the previous regime. Grumpy. That was a previous regime. Grumpy, stop. That was a top pick, an early pick they had, and he made the selection. It's not like his scouting staff came in there and said, "Don't worry, Lou Lamarillo. I know you've only been here for two weeks. We're going to make the selection for you." No. They go ahead and present the facts to him. They tell him what they favor in certain players, and Lou Lamarillo makes the end pick. So, no, Lou Lamarillo did make that pick. He makes all the picks out there. The scouting staff, as they do a good job of presenting how the player performs, where they can grow, things of that nature, what they project them to be, Lou Lamarillo makes the final decisions. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what. When you're only there two weeks, you're going to do whatever the scouting staff tells you. They've been scouting these guys all year. He hadn't been. And they certainly weren't looking in the top 10 because Toronto was not picking in the top 10. So they were never going to have a shot at guys like he or Dobson, who they drafted at 11 and 12. Players, uh, and, and, this is, and this is something I think people don't necessarily take into account. Teams scout players, even if they're not technically in the range they originally projected to be drafted. The reason being is because players slip, things happen. And also, you don't know. Sometimes teams say, we like this prospect so much, we're willing to give up X, Y, and Z to move up this high in the draft to get him. That happens a lot more often than you think, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, but he, I, do, I do give Lou Lamarillo credit there for picking Oliver Wallstrom. We don't know how great of an NHLer he's going to be, but I think that definitely was a player who has offensive acumen. He does have offensive acumen. I'm not giving Lou Lamarillo any credit for that because he was not part of that scouting staff. Absolutely not. And if anything, and here's the thing, he was on the way out in Toronto. So how much was he vested in their draft uh, in their draft process that year? I'm going to say probably not too much. And even if I give you Oliver Wallstrom, okay, who else? Name one other guy who has high-end offensive talent that they've picked in the three years he's been there. Well, I'm going to tell you the guy who does have high-end offensive acumen, who I don't think will play for us, Ruslan Ishikov. He was performing. He was performing for UConn. His first year took him a while. He got that bad concussion. He took that hit there to the head. I can't remember who they were playing. And that kind of knocked him up or knocked him around a little bit. 
And then his second year, he was performing well there for UConn. But unfortunately, I do not think he's going to play ever for the Islanders. He's another guy who, who came over, played two years of college, then left. He's going to be playing back overseas again. I can't remember exactly where he's playing, but it usually doesn't bode well when you move from the college game back to your overseas. I don't know exactly where he's playing, but I think somewhere in Europe. And what round was he picked? Second round. Okay. Or he was the early second round pick. We selected, I think, Ruslan Ishikov before Bodie Wild. Mm, I didn't think so. Okay, it, it does. I remember they were both second round picks. Okay. Ruslan and Bodie Wild, both second round picks. Well, you're right. He's diminutive. He was overdrafted. I mean, that's what you hear a lot with the Islanders. They overdraft guys. I won't give that to Ruslan Ishikov. It, honestly, again, you're you're arguing about something that doesn't even matter, Rumpy. Okay. I just said high end offensive talent. I don't think. You said who else did he draft with offensive talent? I'm saying Ruth Lanishikov does have offensive talent. That being said, I don't think he's ever going to play for the Islanders. That's all. Okay, so why wouldn't he play for the Islanders? Because he doesn't fit the system? I don't think he wants to play in the United States anymore. I think he had a tough time. Remember what UConn did, and I don't know how much you paid attention to that that club and the college scene, but they had a lot of guys who were of Russian descent, and they were trying to push there. So, you know, it's easier for them to integrate, easier for the communication side for them too. But I, I don't think he really enjoyed it over his time here. Otherwise, he wouldn't have left UConn. Maybe he just wanted to play on a pro a pro contract, start earning some money. I can't tell you exactly as the reason to why he left UConn and decided to go back and play in Europe. But it usually doesn't bode well when you leave college and you leave the United States game and go back to Europe to play. Well, I don't blame him, honestly. If he wanted to go pro, you couldn't do that if you played in a U.S. college to left your third year. Um, so... You know, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, so, you know, if he just wanted – I just I just think he's too diminutive. But I think he was absolutely a draft pick of the previous staff, uh, of the previous uh, scouting staff. I mean, and that just kind of proves my point because that he is not someone that Lou Lamarillo would draft. Just look at the guy they drafted this year, wildly overdrafted. But he's, the, he's an Islander-type player, up and down the wing, plays a solid defensive game, right? And, you know, that's not Ishikov's game. It just isn't. Just look at the guys they pick. They're fantastic. I got to interrupt. I've got to interrupt, grumpy old man. Uh, first off, I want to set the record straight. Bodie Wild was drafted two selections before Bruce Lee and Ishikov. I knew they were close, but Bodie Wild was drafted before Ishikov. Second off, it's really tough for me to jump on board saying someone was overdrafted when you draft him in the third round. The NHL draft is such a crapshoot. These young men are very young, sometimes 17 years old as they're playing. Really tough for me to say a guy in the third round pick was overdrafted. If we're in the first round, sure, I'm willing to jump on and say a guy was overdrafted. Second round, maybe. Once you get in the third round, you see a lot of teams go way off the board. And yeah, sure, the Islanders didn't draft somebody that was rated, you know, high enough by, you know, uh, central scouting reporting staff, whatever the heck that site is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Central but Scouting Bureau. Central Scouting Bureau. Thank you, Grumpy. But again, it doesn't really matter if the player pans out. Does it really matter where he was supposed to be selected? It, it becomes such a crapshoot when you're talking later on a draft like that. Okay. If he pans out, what's he going to be? He's going to be a third or fourth line player. You know what? I'm, I would rather roll the dice. If I'm going to roll the dice, I'm going to roll the dice with someone who has a talent, a score, somebody who can score, which this team just doesn't have anyone. But that's not the type of player they like. They like up and down the boards. Let's just play a solid game. We well, I want to let you know, I know you don't pay attention much to Twitter or any of the information that happens afterwards. He's done well, Alexander Lundkrantz. He's done well so far this season. So, and again, he's not playing, I believe, at the highest level. I think he's playing in the under-20s, but he's performing well. He's putting up good point production. Uh, the players have been playing well that the Islanders drafted this year and even the players that are playing overseas. So I know Wallstrom, I think he had four points through five games before getting injured. Uh, Otto Koivula just started up their season there, and he had a goal or something of that nature. And Lundkrantz, I know, has been putting up some points on the board. I think he had five points in five games. So he's been he's been producing. Okay. Again, I, I, I refuse to call anybody a reach in the third round. Sure, first round. Sure, second round. Once you get in the third rounds and, and later on, it you're really in you're in the murky waters, Grumpy. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, you know, like I said, when everybody else says that this guy wouldn't have been picked till a certain like a sixth round, and you pick him in the third round, guess what? You've been overdrafted. I mean, it's, and it's all just based on ratings on rankings, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. It's like if if an NFL player, let's say you have I don't know, just name anyone. Someone who winds up winds up turning out to be an okay pro, but you got him, you know, uh, Terrell Davis, right? 
He was picked. He was picked in the sixth round by the Denver Broncos. But let's say, but that's where he was rated. I mean, he turned out to be a fantastic pro. Let's say they picked him in the first round or even the third round. He's being overdrafted, all right? Because if you can get somebody a number of rounds later and you want to pick him earlier, it means that other talented, higher talented players are being passed by that you could have selected there won't be available later. I'll tell you why I heavily disagree with that premise, grumpy old man. The NHL is kind of a little bit like the NBA. They're way different in the fact that there are plenty of leagues overarching around the world. When you're talking about football, there's only one feeder system it comes from. It comes from college football. Sure, you have Division One, 1AA, Division Two, Division Three, things of that nature. But when you're talking about the NHL, you have so many different minor leagues across the United States. You have so many. Well, you got the USHL. You have it split up there into three sections. You've got you know the Ontario Hockey League, Quebec Major Juniors, Western Hockey League. Then you have the Finnish Elite League. You have so many different leagues. It's really tough. It's not like you can look apples to apples because every single league's different. The game style is different in every type of league. That's fine, but and that's what I'm saying. That, that like so, where they project players is a little, it's a little skewed. It's it's not as accurate. I feel like as it is with the NFL when it comes to where players get selected. When his own coach says that he was overdrafted, I, I'm Grumpy, gonna, tell me where he says that because again, it seems like you're making stuff up right now. His own coach said, "Yeah, Alexander Lundcraft is overdrafted." Is that what he said? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> Grumpy, pull that <laughs> Absolutely. Overdrafted. That's what they said. You know, and if you want, I can pull it up because, you know, I do I do have that information at my fingertips because when I when I read something like that from other, you know, from their own prayer, their own uh, coaches, it's like, uh, let's see. I, I okay, mean, Grumpy, well, I'm going to talk because you can't talk and Google search at the same time. That's pretty obvious. So don't worry about it. I'll carry it until you get there. Why don't you, go on, you can go off on one of your diatribes and I'll have it up for you here. Okay, Trump. I, again, I'm going to break it down like this. Play, coaches don't say things like that. I just think he misspoke. I don't think he mean that because there's no way in hell his coach came out there and said that, yeah, Alexander was overdrafted. Maybe he could have said he was surprised about being drafted so early, things like that. He's not saying the player was overdrafted, though. Um, and grumpy old man, I'll put it to you like this. I, I kind of do want to move a little bit away from – talking about NHL drafts. I know we don't have a lot to talk about. You're just grasping at straws, grumpy old man, hitting your same beaten paths of things to complain about. But they're but, always true. They're always true. That's why. Do you have that? You haven't pulled up yet? Where his coach said he was overdrafted? The scouting director for European scouting for elite prospects said he was, he was overdrafted. But he is exactly the type of prospect that the Islanders like. And, you know, they, they have certain guys they like. Ham and egg are grinders. I mean – Right, I mean, we talked about it when he was drafted. Yeah, he was overdrafted, but that's the type of guy they like. They like those grinders. That's what they like. They he if they had their own, if they had their druthers, we'd have a team of third and fourth liners. That that would be the whole team. That's it. And defensemen, well, you know, we can have really old defensemen, which we had a lot of. I don't know. Grumpy again. It, it's really it's tough. It's tough talking to you sometimes because you're ridiculous. Again, it wasn't the head coach. It was okay. It was a scouting director. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you've rectified that again. As soon as it came out of your mouth, coaches don't say shit like that. Let's be honest. Well, um, coach, I think his coach, his mom said that he sucked too. That his younger brother was a way better player. That's it, grumpy. Um, I, again, we're talking. I want to move back to the point. What type of prospects we do have, or what we could move besides draft picks? Really, I, our team is lush with young defensive talent. So. I could see us maybe moving a guy like a Bodie Wild, a Samuel Bolduck. I could see us really having to do so. It wouldn't make me happy, but I could see the Islanders organization having to pair up a toxic asset with a guy like that who can contribute a young prospect who is promising. How about Otto Koivula? He's an easy move. I've heard I've heard them possibly throwing around the names of Otto Koivula. I've heard them throwing around the names of guys like uh, Wild, Samuel Bolduck. It's unfortunate is all I'm saying, Grumpy, because you don't want to have to trade away these young, promising defensive prospects. But we do have quite a few that are highly rated and are performing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of the young players. I wouldn't do it. There's other ways to save money, and he just has to bite the bullet and throw them on long-term injury. That's what I would do. Dump them. I don't care to dump them. I don't care if they will play again. I want to see them. You have to prove that they can't play for at least 10 games in the NHL or they're going to miss 24 days during the season. That you have to prove it. 
Okay, that wasn't the case with Stefan Robida. That was not he just he just dumped him and said you're on long-term injury. So he's done it before. And I have no problem if he do it again. These guys are finished. They're finished anyway. They're walking injury anyway. I mean, how long do you think they're gonna last before they get hurt anyway? I just rather dump him on there now. He should have done it. He should have done it previously. That's how you get rid of the Andrew Lads. Who's wanted to see Andrew Ladd play? How how many games has he played over the last two and a half years? I mean, dump him on long-term injury. Just let him sit there and collect his paycheck. He has he has played more games probably in the A than he has in the NHL. So he's been playing, just not in the NHL. Well, like I said, long-term injury is the way to go. That's how you – I mean, I, I'm not, if you want to trade those draft picks, fine. But I'm not willing to trade any of our uh, good young talent. If they want some, I mean, Mitch Von Sample, if you want to get rid of him, I have no problem with that. Uh, because, But I don't want to trade Samuel Bullduck. I mean, you just drafted him last year. Why would you get rid of him? Why would you get rid of Bodie Wild? They're just, they're too young to get rid of. I mean, if you see a guy's not going to make your system like a Van Sample or a Wotherspoon, those are the type of guys you move because they're already further up the ladder and you're going to lose them during a, to free agency anyway, pretty much. But not the guys you just drafted. Well, Grumpy, again, this is another podcast here during the NHL offseason. Um, shorter one for certain, not as much to talk about. Uh, but Grumpy, old man, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up? Uh, no, i just like to say I love Paige's hat today. I thought it was really nice. I thought she looked very nice. Uh, I like she brings a little something, uh, intelligence from your side. She brings that to the podcast. Something we're not used to seeing. So I like that she's feisty and she comes right back at the grumpy old man. That's what I do like. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Grumpy, for being a part of the podcast and live stream as always. Thank you very much. Again, thank you so much, guys, for participating here on the live stream. Again, the best time, the finest we live stream over the offseason every single Saturday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So thank you guys for tuning in, watching the live stream, and listening to the podcast. And thank you, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.